Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from Him today. So please enjoy. Father, I just thank you for this time that we have together here today. Lord, we made the decision to get up, to get dressed, to be here, to plan our day around meeting with you in this house. And Father, I thank you that every person here receives something from you, that when they leave this place today, they grab hold of something that they're able to take out there to the people that are in their sphere of influence that they can be an encouragement to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Matt um, reviewed what we're going to be starting with this new series. And it's interesting because there are so many different levels in making a decision towards a commitment. And yet, you know, we live in a world that does not like to commit. You know, even, okay, I'm going rabbit trail here. So I want want to know what denotes a dating relationship. Like back in my day, if a guy asked you to do something and it was just you and him, that's a date. Not anymore. I'm like, how long does it take to start dating? Who knows? So maybe some of you know that answer and they can let me know the answer to that question. (laughs) Um, So with commitment, you know, I think it's, do we have the big M-E? Because it really is all about us, but when we commit to something, it's really not about us. It's about the people that we're serving, the people that are around us. And so in this series, we're going to be talking about those four levels. First of all is the I should, and that's the self-awareness part of things, that we should commit. Then we want to commit, I will commit, and I need to commit. And so, honestly, when I was doing this, I thought we could just get this whipped out in one time and we'd all commit and we'd be raring to go. (laughs) But we need to know what we're committing to. And when our yes means yes, what does that yes really mean? So the level of commitment, commitment, the meaning meaning of that word is an agreement or pledge to do something in the future. Commitment means that certain decisions are made in advance irrespective of the circumstances. And so marriage is an excellent example of that word commitment. Because we say yes to somebody um, most of the time, and it should be before you live with them, you know, before you're married and all that. But once you're married, it's, um, I didn't know how he put the toilet paper on the roll and if it was the right way or not. I mean, big things. How did you squeeze the tube of toothpaste? He's a scruncher, and I'm a from the bottom up. So we have our own tubes. Don't worry. We don't, we don't share. We, we solve that one. <laughs> Sorry, honey, I have the microphone. So you're going to learn a lot about Pastor Mad today. <laughs> so the level one of I should is very much in your head. So... How many of you remember the very first time you ever came to a church like this? It's one of those things, okay, 
I grew up in a denominational, you know, mainline denomination. And so coming to a church like this, back in the day, we met in a hotel conference room. So can you imagine me thinking, okay, I'm not going to this beautiful cathedral place. I'm going to a hotel conference room, and we're calling it church. Okay. <laughs> that was a big decision for me. And so it was like, should I do that? Should I follow through? Well, uh, the guy that I had gone to church with that day, he was a friend of mine, and, and he was ready to pick me up for church. And back in those days, we used those telephones that you had to dial, you know. <laughs> Most of you don't know what that is, but go to some antique store and you'll probably find one of those phones. But we, um, I had to call him. And he was about ready to get to my house to pick me up for church. And I'm like, I am not going. I am not going to that place. <laughs> because I got really scared. But I already decided that I would. And so, really, I should. And when I tried to call him to say, I'll just skip. I'll, I'll go the next time. Uh, he was already on his way. And so, here I am today. <laughs> so, when we say when we stay in the I should level of commitment, we never get beyond where we are today. In Colossians 1, 24 and 25, it says, oh, in the NIV, and then in 28, verses 28 and 29, it says, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church. I become its servant by the commission of, that God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. He is the one that we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present to everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So when you look at Paul's commitment there, it wasn't just a commitment. It was a strenuously contend. I'm thinking that yes was really a yes. Not only does he know what he should do, like presenting the Lord in his fullness, but he knows what to do. And again, that was that strenuously contending. That was with everything that was in, within him. And I, I believe that sometimes we know what we should do, but there's risks involved in what we should do. And what we should do isn't always comfortable. You know, when we should reach out to people around us, but it interferes with our schedule. When we should be kind to somebody who maybe hasn't been so kind to us. Those things aren't fun, right? <laughs> and, and those are risky things. I shared back in September one time, when I ministered, I talked about my life back in my before Jesus days, and I was really involved with sports, with softball, volleyball, things like that, and, you know, after that was all the partying stuff, which, you know, we had to be really good at that, too, <laughs> and so um, I got to a place, though, where Jesus became my Lord and Savior. And I had started working here because we started the Early Learning Center, Canaan Land, and 
Um, Pastor Matt and I founded that together. That was before we were married. And there was a time that we were having registrations for softball for that next year or that next season. You know, I was the one who gathered the team rosters and, you know, sported, got everybody together to play those sports, and, and I was saying no to it. Well, I knew in my heart that it was something I should do, but it was really painful for me. Not like the people I was going to be hanging out with and playing sports with and stuff weren't good people because they were wonderful people. They're today some of my lifelong friends. Yet I knew that what God had for my life, it was going to be something that took me away from that ultimate commitment to Jesus. And knowing that we were opening that child care center, it was just getting started, that really required all my time. <laughs> and so that was something that was so hard for me. But had I not made that decision that this is something I should do for the betterment of what the future held, like who knows where my life would be today. And I think that God sees each of our lives like, he knows your level of commitment to him. We don't, we're not fooling him, you know, by putting other things before him. <clears throat> in Romans 12, 2, in the voice, it says, Do not allow the world, this world, to mold you into its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. As a result, you'll be able to discern what God wills, and whatever God finds good, pleasing, and complete, which is also perfect. And so again, when I think back to those times, I think like that, that was a choice I knew that I had to make, and it was something I should do. But until I said yes to it, like again, that wasn't an easy time, <laughs> but I knew it was what I was supposed to do. But then I knew that I was entering into God's will for my life, that which was good, pleasing, and complete. And so when you're trying to figure out, God, what do you have for my life? What should I do? What should be the next step? Go back to that, that scripture, because first of all, you need to renew your mind. You need to be, have your mind aligned with what God, God's word says and not what our flesh might want, or what's most comfortable for us. But you want for your life, right? You want what's good. You want what's pleasing, pleasing to God, and what's perfect, what's complete with him. You know, something that I love about that verse is that the plan that he has for us is a positive thing, like it's a good thing. That doesn't mean there aren't obstacles along the way, that doesn't mean there aren't struggles along the way, but it means that we can look at the end goal and we can enter into a place of peace. You know, I think we all also have, I know for me, I can be like, I should do this. Like, I should spend more time with the Lord. I should, you know, take care of paperwork that I need to take care of that you know, I have this stack on my desk, that thing that keeps mounting. <laughs> then I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> one of those things that I should get to it. And I'm one of those people, like, when I start a project, like, I have to start it beginning to end. Like, okay, I have a husband who can be doing this a little bit, and then he's over there doing this, and then he's doing... 
I think there's, they call that something, but <laughs> for me, I want to finish beginning to end, get it done. And so that also is a hurdle in my life because sometimes I'm like, well, I don't have enough time to work on the whole project. But really, if I just took like 10 minutes at a time, 15 minutes at a time, maybe I could clean out all those clothes in my closet that have been sitting there for 10 years, you know. <laughs> maybe. But again, it's what should we do? And I think about being overwhelmed with the I shoulds. You know, that's something to be careful of too. Like putting expectations on our lives that are just too much for us to handle. You know, I think God knows he's given us 24 hours in a day. <laughs> he's giving them, given them to an hour at a time. And so he knows the amount of time that we have to get something finished. Maybe it's just more time organization we need, better time management. You know, the kinds of things that can help us to have a more peaceful life. I think of commitment again and how people don't commit because they think they're committing to the world when, you know, like say we need, say we need help in children's ministry. Well, people can be like, well, if I sign up for that, I am signing my life away. Um, that's not true. <laughs> you can sign up and serve in children's ministry and serve one time a month. You know, you can, you can say, well, I don't know enough about the Bible to serve in children's ministry. Do you know, for me, that's exactly where I was. <laughs> when I first came to church, I'm like, uh, they needed people. There were hardly any. Actually, they had one person that worked in children's ministry all the time. Well, the church was a lot smaller, but it was always the same person. And I felt bad for them. <laughs> I'm like, you should be in church sometimes. But they really felt called to children's ministry. And so they were okay serving in children's ministry. But then I wanted to help, you know, so she would be able to be at least every other week be in service. And so, but what was holding me back, I knew I should, but I didn't know enough about the Bible. How can I teach children's ministry when I don't know the Bible? Guess how I learned the Bible? <laughs> Do you know those children's stories are really easy to comprehend <laughs> because they're written for children? <laughs> and so that really was the beginning of how I got to know the Bible. You know, something, too, that we, we know that there's things, again, that aren't comfortable. You know, I know we, our church, Pastor Matt, talked about generosity. We're a church that believes in giving. We believe in being generous, not just to this local body, but to the community around us. You know, Pastor Matt and I go, go places, and we look for ways that we can bless and encourage other people. When I first started tithing, you know, I started here at the church in the child care center, and, and when um, that opportunity was presented, I, I stepped into it, and, and it was agreed that the income that I would receive would be whatever came in for caring for the children, for doing child care. And I'm like, oh, this is good. We'll have this, we're licensed for this many children, and there's two employees, so we divide that, and I'm calculating, and I'm like, this will be good. I can make a good living doing this, <laughs> not knowing that 
our first month, we had two children <laughs> at the childcare for the whole time. You know, people don't necessarily trust a brand new childcare center. And back then, you know, this is 30, 38 years ago almost, childcare was not a popular thing. You know, it was something that um, moms should be home with their children, and I think that's amazing. But there's some moms that couldn't do that. Single moms couldn't do that. And so what were we doing to help that community? That was our heart in childcare and why we started. And so my first paycheck was a whopping $11. <laughs> and I was here, back then we were open at 6 in the morning. I was here at 5.30 in the morning till five, 6 o'clock at night. And so later, because we closed at 6. But you know, it was a passion in me. It didn't matter. It's what I wanted to do. And then I thought, okay, people are talking about this tithing thing and how God opens the window of, of heaven and how he takes care, rebukes the devourer in our lives. And I'm like, now's the time to start tithing because I'm not paying a car payment with a dollar or with $11. I'm not paying a rent with $11. I can't do anything with $11, but I can tithe. And that's when I started tithing. So it was $1.10, and guess what I did? I rounded it up to $2, so <laughs> I did a little offering in there too. But you know how God took care of my life. And there's a lady in the congregation, Pat Conkle. Um, her sister, Karen, attended the church, and they, she had their parents' houses beautiful big home and she was the only one living in there until they sold the home and and she said you can live with me and I'm like okay I don't have any money but I'll live with you she said I don't want you to pay me anything I don't want anything for food I don't want anything for utilities nothing I just want you to live here and I was like what somebody really did that for me now just so you know that was super humbling, too, because I was somebody who could take care of myself. And so, again, it was one of those, should I do that? And I was new in my walk with the Lord. So even that, you know, feeling like somebody's taking care of me when I should be independent and doing this alone. And yet God took care of me. And when I could switch my thinking and seeing it as God blessing my life and God making provision. And, you know... <clears throat> Back then, when, when um, after several months, then I started, it was six months that I was here that the church decided we're going we're gonna to do right by her. We're going to pay her minimum wage. And I was like, okay, now you know what? I think these days none of that would be legal. So you would have had to pay me minimum wage, you know, right from the get-go. <laughs> but we didn't know any of that. <laughs> And so I actually looked it up, and in 1985, when that started, minimum wage was $3.35. That's equivalent to $9.44 an hour today. And so my first paycheck was $130 after I got minimum wage. So that's working 40 hours a week. Do you know I felt like I was a millionaire because I had $130? <laughs> And so, again, you know, I was so blessed by what God did for my life. And it was in those times of humble beginnings that really helped me appreciate what God's done today. 
And I think we can all look back in our lives, like that song, <laughs> when we look back at what God's done and how faithful he's been in our lives, how good he's been to us. We've all had raunchy things happen in our lives. <laughs> We've all had things go on that we wouldn't have chosen, but how God turns those things around for good. So when I think about my first I should was should I go to church? That was my first I should. And had I not said yes to that I should, again, who knows what would happen today. Another thing that holds us back is our past. We think, well, I would like to do this. I should do this. But my past, like I can't do that because of that. Well, second, or in Colossians 2, 13 and 14, it says, you were dead because of your sins. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authority. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. See, Jesus won that victory for us. We don't have to keep going back to our past. You know, the enemy wants to bring those thoughts to us, but that doesn't come from God. That's not a good and pleasing and perfect kind of place to be. Another thing is knowing that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. You know, whenever Pastor Matt and I go and pray for somebody um, at, you know, a nursing home or at the um, hospital or any place that we go, if we're going to minister to a family in their home, before we walk in, we always pray, Father, we thank you that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We're not going on our own, but we're going knowing that we're sent by Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21, it says, either way, Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for us all. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So see, when you die to your flesh, you no longer live for yourself. Verse 16, so we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. Verse 17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. See, when you look at that, God no longer counts sin against us. So then why do we? If God doesn't, like we're not greater than he is, so don't allow the enemy to keep reminding you of junk from the past, of mistakes you might have made in the past, because you're a new creature in Christ. 
our thinking has to be transformed. But do you know that'll never happen if you don't open that Bible and read what God's word says. Read what he says about you. You know, when we continue to go on and, and knowing that, you know, pride is something that can keep us from things. I should do this. And really, when we think so highly of ourselves, <laughs> that's really a pride thing. I should do this, but. Because our attention and focus is always goes back to me. And so James 4, 9, it says, Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. But this part, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. That doesn't mean that we're not sorry for stuff that we did in the past. Like, I ask for forgiveness, knowing that Jesus forgives me. But once we've been forgiven, go move on. Move on from what the past junk is. That, that doesn't mean if you, if you sinned five minutes ago, if you sinned an hour ago. It's knowing that when you ask for forgiveness, and it's a heartfelt forgiveness, that's forgiveness, repenting, it's like a 180. It's you turn completely and go the other way. And so knowing that God takes care of that for us. But pride will say, well, I know better. You know, maybe I shouldn't do this, but, but if God says you should, then you should. It's, again, the enemy that holds us back. One of the things again, important to say is, God, if I should be doing this, you give me the steps to be able to know how. And again, when we spend time with him, you know, I think of this worship team, what a blessing to this congregation and everybody out there that, you know, is participating with us online. You know, I, I think they didn't just pick up a guitar and learn how to play it. They didn't just start singing and thinking they could stand on a worship team and, and sing for all of us. It was a choice. It was, you know what, I think I would really like to learn how to play guitar. Well, maybe I should learn how to play guitar. And then finding out what does it take to learn how to do that, and then to be part of a team. You know, all those are I shoulds that happened in somebody's life. So when we leave here today, it's thinking you know, when I look around this room, I think there's all kinds of people here that said yes to and I should. Well, first of all, you got up this morning and you're here. <laughs> I should go to church today. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> and so, but there's all kinds of other things. You know, what things did you say yes to and then follow through with, knowing that you're making a difference not just in your life, but in the lives of the people around you? 2 Corinthians 6.2, it says, For God says, At just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now, and today is the day of salvation. So if you're somebody who has never made Jesus the Lord of your life, today is the day. And I always like to share with people that there's a difference in Jesus being our Lord and being our Savior. When Jesus is our Savior, that means we can believe he died on the cross for us. We believe he forgave our sins. You know, we believe the things that the Bible says. But do we apply it to our life? So being Lord is having rulership over your life. It's having dominion over your life. 
It's really stopping and asking God questions before you do certain things. Just because it feels good doesn't mean you should do it, right? There's that I should. <laughs> and yet, it's knowing God is a God of order. You know, I, I always think we want to hurry. We live in a life that, that's fast food. Let's hurry and do this. How quick can we do things? You know, we're speeding down that highway. I can't say I'm guilty of that, but maybe, maybe a little bit. I only go five miles over, though, so <laughs> nobody heard that right. <laughs> um, but the things that we should do are things often, like I said, that really keep us from from what God has for us. You know, I think of different people in this congregation who've experienced Jesus healing their physical bodies. You know, I think about how you wouldn't ever know that Jesus heals if you didn't take a step into, I should go to church, I should read the Bible, I should find out what Jesus says about healing. By doing all those things are how we get the answers that we do. I think of um, all the people that volunteer here, serve on staff here. It started with an I should. You know, I should do that. But then as we spend time with the Lord, then we know, oh, I feel like God might want me to do that. Maybe God's calling me to do that. And when you know God's calling you to do something, it's like that thing that won't go away on the inside of you. Like, I just have to do it because I can't rest until I do. And so, you know, last Sunday, there's something that we have here at Refuge. It's called the Wisdom Generation. And that's for everybody that's 55 and older. Although if you want to be a Wisdom Generation, you're welcome to join. <laughs> but we went to lunch last Sunday. And there were like 30 people that were at this lunch. And as I looked at that table, the people that were there, you know, I thought because I knew I was going to be speaking about this, those are all kinds of people that said yes to and I should. And then think about their lives. And each one of them have a history in their lives, have a, a career path they chose, are now in retirement, a lot of them. And it's knowing that there are people that said yes to and I should. But you know what? It's not time for our wisdom generation to sleep. It's time for them to get busy. <laughs> we have a lot of people in this room that are under 55 years old. As a matter of fact, if you're under 55, raise your hand. Okay? So we look around this room. I would say that might be about three-fourths of you. And so all you ladies and men who are over 55, you have so much wisdom to pour into younger people. Don't be silent. <laughs> you know, this is an opportunity that I love to learn from wisdom. I love to spend time with people are, that are older than I am, that have experienced more life, that can really tell me how it is. So young people, don't, don't disregard that. That's an honor and a blessing in our lives. So remember, Pastor Matt always says this comment, one person's step of obedience leads others to obedience. And yet one person's step of disobedience leads others to disobedience. And so which court are you in today? Which camp are you in? Are you in the camp of, I want to obey God 100% all he has for my life? 
or I'm okay teetering a lot. You know, I want some of this pleasure and joy in my life, but I want God too. You know, the Bible talks about we either be hot or cold, but if we're lukewarm Christians, he'll spit us out. And you can do the research and find out what that means. <laughs> I know I don't want to be spit out. I want to be a hot Christian on fire for Jesus. And I believe we have a whole room full of people that are the same way, which is so exciting. Because we can live in a dead world, <laughs> a hopeless world, or we can step into a place that we thank God for all he's done for our lives. He's building us every single day. But we're not going to know that if we don't spend time with him. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this time that we've had together today. Every one of us has a life that we keep writing the chapters and story after story. But God, we don't want to be the author. We want you to be. And so, Father, I thank you that we can give you hold of that pen as you're writing our story and know that you're in control and we're giving you full control. Father, I thank you for every person here. And I thank you, God, that you help us with our I shoulds so that when we say yes to something, it's a yes and that settles it. There's no more wavering. So with every eye closed and without anybody looking around, if you're somebody here and you said, you know what, I'm just, I never heard that before. I never knew that Jesus could really be the Lord of my life and not just my Savior. If you're somebody who wants that kind of relationship with Jesus, nobody's looking around, I just ask that you raise your hand so Jesus can say that. You're saying yes to Jesus. And it's not if you should, it's I should. I should say yes to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for those people. I thank you, God, that you're moving in lives right now. And I'd like you to say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for living in my heart and being the Lord of my life. I thank you, Jesus, for filling me with your Holy Spirit so that there's a difference in my life. That when I leave this place today, I hear your voice louder and I see your miracles all around me because my eyes are open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to thank you all for being here today, for taking, for saying that I should and I should be in church and you're here today. And thank you for receiving and leave this place today and make a difference in somebody's lives. That's why you're here. That's why God called you to serve him. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Thank you so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. 
We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to connect with the Lord. And hey, if you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we are first and foremost just so happy for you and we would love to get connected with you. So if you want to find some more of our content and find out how to get connected with us, feel free to check out our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing rest of your day.